Good, hour, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another episode of Hoopsville. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Hope you are uh, have enjoyed your mid-December sp- week so far of basketball action in Division Three. We certainly have a lot to talk about, and we are underway uh, as we are along. We hope you can see us. I'm seeing some uh, odd errors on our Ustream page, but... We are up and running, so we will keep it going as a result. Also simulcasting on Facebook. Of course, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, as now we can see the viewers coming in in a storm. Um, You know, I would almost say not a lot to talk about in Division Three. A little odd, to say the least. Um, Just a quiet week, but mainly that's because of finals. Thus, the title of the show slightly subdued with a question mark. Because certainly stuff still happened. Of course, we'll get up to speed with you to some degree. Very busy with uh, Stag Bowl week in Salem, Virginia. Hats off to everybody in Salem on a job well done for championship number 25 in Division Three football. Out of the 45 years of Division Three basketball championships being Stag Bowl 45, 25 of them have been held in Salem. Of course, heading off to Shenandoah next year for two years and then on Canton for two more. It'll be a tough task, to say the least, but uh, Salem did an outstanding job, as they always do uh, this year, and a wonderful halftime ceremony to honor those who brought the championships to Salem. It did get me to thinking, with March coming up, the the other big championship in Division III, the other big championship in Salem's lore is coming up. Not sure if they'll commemorate it in the same way, to be blunt. Um... I, I don't know what to expect, <laughs> to be to be honest. Uh, I expect that um, it'll be a good championship, and I suspect that they will certainly go off or go out with a bang, as it were. But I don't know if they'll have the same pomp and circumstance they had at halftime of the, of the Stag Bowl. The Stag Bowl was the first of the championships. Uh, it's obviously the baby As it were. So if there may be some commemoration at halftime of one of the games in Salem, but uh, at the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't, to, to be honest. So we'll shall see. We shall see how it all turns out. Um, I don't want to hold my breath, um, but at the same time, Salem did a spectacular job. Hats off to them. We uh, appreciate it ourselves for their hard work. Sorry, still putting pieces of the board back together. Um, and it was wonderful to be there. Can't wait to be back in March. Now back to what we were talking about with basketball. It is a, an interesting week. Um, again, not a ton went on. Is is finals took up a lot of the the conversation, as it were. Um, I don't think necessarily that's all that surprising. I also wonder to some degree if some of the Chaos we saw at the beginning of the year has calmed down to some degree, and maybe a week like this helps do that. Uh, there is a you know there's a big game this weekend, Occidental versus uh, Whitman. Actually, today it's taking place uh, that I'm going to be having my eye on, only because I think Occidental is playing surprisingly better basketball than I think many would anticipate. That game is underway. We will keep an eye on it during this this broadcast to see how it goes. Uh, another team that I know a lot of people are talking about, but it's because they're not sure about Lycoming. Uh, Lycoming, the number nine team in the country. 
uh, got another win, or, or barely, I should say, got past York of New York uh, yesterday, Saturday, 75-67, beat Marywood 82-69. They're number nine in the country. I'm not voting for them. I think there's a couple other voters not voting for them, to be honest. Uh, it's not. It's nothing against the Warriors, but I feel like we've seen this the script before from Lycoming. They have basically played nobody at the beginning of the season. Now they have a, an interesting win over Messiah, 55-36. I look at that and I almost think it's the women's score because Messiah women certainly known for low-scoring games, even though they're outstanding. But win over Medgar Evers, Penn State, Wilkes-Barre, SUNY Oneana, Susquehanna, Penn College, Messiah Hood, Alvernia Widener, Yorkham, New York, and Marywood. It's, it's not a who's who's list. And that's where the top 25 conversation comes in. We'll talk to Ryan Scott later in the show about it. It's, it's a tough one uh, to, to grade a team like the Warriors, uh, you would argue should be 11-0. Does that make them a top 25 team because they've beaten nobody necessarily? Now they'll get 12 days off. They'll take on SUNY New Paltz in a tournament. And then, and then another team to be determined. And then they'll get into conference play for the last half of the season. And they'll start with Lebanon Valley, who's also having a good season. So for me personally, Lycoming's probably going to have to wait until the 2018 part of the schedule for me to consider them in the top 25. And that's not a fair way of saying it, because I am technically con considering them. But I don't think they'll make my ballot until then. And I only brought it up because they're underway <laughs> right now. Uh, in that game we're keeping an eye again as I said on Occidental Whitman I just turned that on Occidental's actually got the lead 9-5 in that game um, just five minutes into it uh, so uh, otherwise not a lot to talk about if you look at the the top 25 in terms of who who played who Middlebury as we knew was idle this week uh, and will be for the next two Augustana uh, defeated Rockford in Central uh, though I think the central game a little closer than most people expected. Oshkosh and Williams were idle. Ramapo got past Fram uh, Farmingdale State easily. Whitworth was idle. River Falls beat Northwestern of Minnesota uh, in a tight one by four. I think that says more about Northwestern. I think people don't take the NACC that seriously. Uh, I'm sorry, the UMAC that seriously, and Northwestern certainly is is good in that. We mentioned Lai coming with their two wins today. Whitewater got past Beloit, 83-58. Wash U had a big game today against Illinois Wesleyan, who was receiving votes and won it 95-69. I was waiting for that game for two reasons. One, I have Wash U in my top 25, but I was waiting for it for Illinois Wesleyan on whether I'd put them into my top 25. I think I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer. I like what the Titans have, but a nearly 30-point loss to the Bears may say more about the Bears, and that's fine, but it doesn't give me enough information about the Titans. Swarthmore beat our loss to York uh, earlier this week, 79-80, or 83-79. Um, I'm not voting for Swarthmore either. They're number 12 in the country. Uh, at least last I checked, I wasn't voting. Um, York's the team I've been watching, and I'm sorry I was down at the Stag Bowl because otherwise I would have gone up i 80 Three there to go check that game out. A good game, too, by the way. Very good game. Um, I, to quote Ryan, we'll talk to him later in the show, Swarthmore and York, very good teams, but beatable. I think everybody's beatable this year, to be honest with you. Even Whitman's beatable. I think everybody's beatable. And, and to have any other expectation, I think, is 
to be naive of Division Three right now. And that's not a shot at Ryan, by the way, for anybody out there wondering. I think Ryan just said it uh, succinctly. Warburg and Wesleyan were idle. Rochester lost to Ithaca. Now, on the women's side, I'm not shocked. That ended up Rochester beat Ithaca. If Ithaca had beaten Rochester on the women's side, I wouldn't have been all that surprised. I think Ithaca's a pretty darn good women's program. It's the it's on the men's side I'm a little surprised. Rochester now 8-2, and two, lo, losing 71-68. I don't know if that tells us that Rochester is maybe a little bit well, I mean, a lot of people have argued maybe they're not as good as, as some of the voters like myself have them. But are we underselling Ithaca men? I don't know. I don't know how to read into that one. Hanover got another win. It's not like they have a ton of great victories, to be honest with you, but they beat Defiance 74-51. Ohio Wesleyan got past Kenyon 82-60. I look forward to seeing Ohio Wesleyan at the D3Hoops.com Top 25, along with Ramapo, by the way, along with Whitman, and along with Stevens Point. I look forward to seeing all four of those programs in uh, Vegas. Skidmore was idle. New Jersey City got a dramatic win over Albertus Magnus. Uh, we will get you the, because we're running a little late, we will show you how they won that game later in the show. New Jersey City's now gotten two buzzer beaters for wins this season, but it came from 20 points down on the Falcons to win that game in the second half, so hats off to New Jersey City. Marietta got a win over Wilmington. Okay, great, 171. But Mary, Mary, uh, Marietta, once again, it's kind of like Hanover. doesn't have a lot of wins to speak of that are, that are significant. St. John's defeated Hamlin. It was a little closer than I expected it, 77-74. MIT got a win over Mass Dartmouth rather easily by 20. They're 10-1 already, and we'll talk about that MIT quirk of having to play all their games early in the season when their head coach joins us later in the show. Amherst got a, a win over Springfield. Springfield, uh, if you're Charlie, Bro I feel for Charlie Brock. Uh, a great start to the season, four and zero, and now tailspin into a four and three, facing their three toughest teams. Listen, I don't think Amherst is a top twenty-five team right now. I'll be blunt. Um, this doesn't necessarily tell me they are either. Um, but we'll see what they're seven and one now. Nichols and Eastern Connecticut were idle at eight and one. Uh, others idle were receiving votes. Wittenberg, Hamilton, Juniata, St. Norbert, Christopher Newport, Albright, Dickinson, Keene State, Franklin and Marshall, and Puget Sound. All idle. And the rest of the, those receiving votes, we mentioned Illinois Wesleyan lost to Wash U. John Carroll beat Ohio Northern 101-95. Lake Forest beat North Park. Okay. And I'm voting for Lake Forest. That's at least an okay win, but it was closer than I thought it would be. I'm sorry, Lake Forest lost to North Park, so maybe i got to take Lake Forest out of my top 25 is what I was trying to get at. Uh, we mentioned York's win over Swarthmore. That might be the spot for me to put York in the top 25. I think York's having a great season. We'll talk to Matt Hunter about it coming up. Carthage, Carthage lost to Calvin in overtime, 79-75. I think Carthage is a good team. They're 5-4, and four, but they're showing their, their flaws, and their flaws are tough to get over, if, I guess, if they're them. Um, I like Carthage, I, and hopefully they're, getting, they're learning from all this. I think they're going to be a tough team in the CCIW. Baldwin-Wallace is quite an enigma. They got two wins this week over Heidelberg and Capital. The Heidelberg game was close. It was a six-point game. The Capital game was not, 83-69. They're 6-2. and two. I've, I'm voting for them, but I don't know what to think of them. Nebraska Wesleyan got a win over Gallaudet, 99-77. Congratulations to Nebraska Wesleyan. Here's another undefeated team. They're now 9-0 that I don't know what to make of because they haven't played anybody. Um, Cortland beat SUNY Old Westbury 90-66. They're 8-1. I don't really know what to make of Cortland. Salem State, who I voted for last week, 7-3 because they lost to Endicott. Well, they'll come out of my top 25. 
Salem State all over the place. I voted for them because I thought, well, they put some games together that I liked. And then they rolled over against Endicott. Emory got a win over Guilford. Guilford is, is I'm, I'm blown away by how much Guilford is struggling before we've gotten into the bulk of the ODAC season. They lost 84-58. I don't know what's amiss at Guilford. I really don't. Um, but they're surprising me in how much they're struggling, and I think that's brought the that's going to bring the, the vision of the ODAC down a little bit as well. The ODAC's really good in the middle in the sense that there's a lot of good teams to watch, but the, the, the top end has come back. It's not a lead anymore. Talking to an ODAC coach, I had a theory, and, and I think, well, I won't get into that now, but... You know, his point was interesting, too. He talks about all these conferences, you know, who who beat each other up like the ODAC. Uh, and they don't play everybody twice, obviously, but they certainly play enough conference games and beat each other up. Um, and then teams like the NESCAC can go and, and, and schedule 15 out-of-conference games to everybody else's six, let's say, on average. And they get into the top 25 because, you know, they're, they're getting some, some easy SOS numbers. It's a conversation we have all the time, but it's, it is interesting to start hearing coaches from other parts of the country talking about it now. And, and it made me wonder, and I don't know what the remedy is, if there is one, to be honest, because the NESCAC can do what the NESCAC wants to do. Though We had um, Jeff Brown on the show last Sunday talking about how he would like to play more NESCAC games and even a double-round robin, if not a double-round robin, an ODAC-style model. And because of a lot of reasons, one of them being that, scheduling out of conference is is challenging because you don't have enough games to go around um or i should say you have you don't have enough teams to go around to your schedule um i i don't know if there is a remedy but it, it clearly the nescac has been able to not beat each other up for lack of a better description and, and i don't know where what what the give is going to be there north central got wins over aurora and alma by the way of note on the women's side, just as quiet. Uh, I'm sure our buddy Gordon Mann's going to have an easy time putting his top 25 together again. Uh, there were a few losses, though, that did surprise me. Tufts got a win. Christopher Newport, Amherst, and Wartburg were idle. Oshkosh got easy wins. No surprise there. Trying is idle. Hope got a win over Finlandia. And then had their game against Rochester and Michigan canceled. The, go back to our conversation with Brian Morehouse talking about how they had uh, a lot of teams cancel on them this summer. And how that's a, a problem, which I agree with them on. Well, it turns out they had two, one too many games on their schedule. And that's something even us at D3 Hoops, we will catch and try and report back. But we didn't spot it. And granted, with tournaments, sometimes you don't always catch those. But they had to cancel their game against Rochester of Michigan, granted non-Division three, because they had too many games. Um, Whitman, idle. Rochester, we mentioned, win over Ithaca by 10. Thomas Moore, idle. St. Thomas, split week. They beat Gustavus Adolphus, but then... Lost to Luther. It almost feels like Luther was a trap game. That's nothing against Luther, but focused on Gustavus Adolphus and losing to Luther is is of note. We mentioned Gustavus Adolphus' only game. They lost to St. Thomas, and it was by eight. Whitewater, who we will have on later in the show, beat MSOE to stay undefeated. Uh, Bowdens was idle. Ohio Northern beat John Carroll. DePaul was idle. Messiah beat at Florham and then lost to Scranton in an overtime thriller. 65-60. I don't know what to make of Scranton, to be honest with you. Um, their men's team is, I'll be gentle, in disarray. It's it's a sh defensively really struggling. But their women's team is is good, not great, but they're 8-1. They beat York, Hartwick, and Messiah this week. It's the one loss to Juniata. 
that has me scratching my head. I, I like the Scranton women. Maybe we'll talk to them on Thursday to figure out what's going on. Uh, Muhlenberg beat Elizabethtown. Trinity, Texas, and Juniata were idle. Marietta beat Wilmington. We mentioned Scranton. Marymount was idle. Wash U beat Fontbonne. Ithaca, as we mentioned, lost to Rochester in the receiving votes category. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan won. George Fox was idle. Chicago won. Puget Sound lost to Benedictine, 82-75 in overtime, and then beat Aurora. Puget Sound now 5-4, and four, and uh, probably will lose a lot of the votes that they had in the top 25. SUNY Geneseo was idle. Montclair State beat Brooklyn. Je Washington Jefferson and Wisconsin Lutheran were idle. Wheaton defeated Rochester and Minnesota, as we mentioned, then defeated Finlandia. It's it's good that Wheaton didn't have to play Hope or Wheaton could have lost a game there. And to be honest, what I think ended up happening was because Hope was going to lose the game, I believe Wheaton got Finlandia in that tournament they were they were at because um, Rochester could absorb losing that game more than Wheaton could, I believe is how that worked out. I don't remember it exactly now. Rochester Tech was idle, RIT. Bluffton won against Franklin. Chapman was idle and Randolph-Macon beat Lawrence. So that's kind of your wrap-up. A lot of things not going on this week. And these are the tougher D3 or Hoopsville shows we consider sometimes not doing them because there isn't much to talk about. But at the same time, there's a lot of coaches and teams that are still active. We'll actually get some teams in um, in action this week before the holiday break. One of them is Whitewater. They're actually in Florida. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk to their head coach. Uh, to talk about being in Florida, the season that has been so far for the Warhawks women's basketball program, and what Carrie Carollo thinks her team can do this season, including in what appears to be a fascinating WIAC battle this season. So we'll talk to her coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, of course, where we're streaming our broadcast as well. I see a number of people have joined the broadcast. We appreciate them taking that time. If you have got questions, try and send them that way. We'll try and spot them there and answer them if we can. You can also email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. That's Hoopsville at D3Hoops. Com. Take a break. Carrie Carollo, Whitewater, coming up next. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. 
got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're talking women's basketball now. And, of course, this is that time we said last week was kind of the bulk of the finals for most schools. Not all schools. Some schools were done already. But for a lot of schools, it was finals. So it was a little bit of a quiet week. Uh, this week is kind of one of those weird hodgepodges um, because you get a lot of teams who end up playing – a few games just to sneak them in uh, before the holiday to give themselves a little bit more latitude in the scheduling department, then take the holiday off. And then you get that week after the holidays, like we know at the D3Hoops.com Classic, to play some games. And then you enter January, and for most schools, it's into conference play. There's a quirk with that. New England schools tend not to do it if they want to be involved with ECACs. It's a long story. We won't go into it. So we see this a lot from kind of the non-New England schools. Of course, that is for Whitewater. Their last game was back on the 12th of December, so five days ago against MSOE. They will play Eastern Connecticut coming up here tomorrow down in Fort Lauderdale and then Central the following day. Sitting on a 7-0 run so far to start the season with some wins. Elmer's comes to mind. Illinois Wesleyan, a big win over them as well. And even Concordia, Wisconsin. After this, they'll then have a second tournament. That's what got me interested to see what was going on with the Warhawks. Joining us on the City of Salem, happy to have them back on board. Hoopsville Hotline is Carrie Carolla. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely appreciate it, as always. Um, first and foremost, I hope you're enjoying Florida. I, I know for a fact it's a lot, it's a lot warmer than it, than it is up in Whitewater. It is. It's a lot warmer. It's uh, a little bit more humid, but um, <laughs> we're enjoying the weather for sure. 
Uh, interesting quirk with the schedule here. I'm used to you going to a, 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 win, a holiday tournament, for lack of a better description. Uh, one during this time period. We've seen you in Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic. What got you to two different tournaments this year? You've got this one, as we said, Monday, Tuesday. You'll take the mm-hmm. holiday off, and then you'll play, I think it was at Thursday, Friday, or something like that, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is, uh, in in, o- in Iowa against Gustavus and somebody else, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. That's, uh, is that the Warburg tournament? Yes, uh, yeah. we will be yep in Waverly. Yep. So, and, uh, odd little twist there, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're always trying to find good games, and mm-hmm. that's um, always a challenge for us. And um, anytime we get an opportunity to play some really tough competition, we're we're excited to do that. And um, so, to have an opportunity to play such a, a great program, if we get a chance to play a team like Warburg, and obviously, Gus Davis' office is having a great season. Um, you know, we're excited to have those opportunities. So the schedule is a little different for us, but, um, you know, with the dropping Superior a couple of years ago yeah. and only going to eight teams in our conference, um, we've had to be able to be a little bit more flexible and sure. um, find ways to, to get in games and, and fulfill our schedule, to be quite honest, um, before we start conference in January. Sure, I can understand that. Um, a weird quirk about your schedule, too, though, is you also started off with a, with a Fury. In the first 15 days of the tournament, you ended up or season, you ended up playing six games, which ended up leaving you with a little bit of a quiet middle of the de- beginning to middle of December, just two games, and they were ninth and twelfth of December. Had about two weeks mm-hmm. off there. How hard is it had to keep the team kind of focused? You have this big run, then you kind of have a layoff, then a run of two games, then a layoff again. It's kind of a fits and and uh, starts and finishes, whatever you want to call of it, to start the season a bit here. Yeah, it is tough. You know, it's hard to keep them focused. And, you know, obviously with exams, too, last week, that was a challenge. But, um, you know, it's important for us to keep them sharp and be able to kind of balance that, you, you know, where we can keep them, you know, healthy and in shape and, um, you know, running at a high level and, and then not overdoing it also. I think sometimes coaches have a feeling like they have to do more, you sure. know, when they don't have games. But, um, it's finding that happy balance and that healthy balance. And, um, you know, that's where we really lean on our players. You know, we, we lean on our upperclassmen to give us a good feel for where they're at. And um, so we try to mix it up with some pool workouts and some different things to, to keep them really focused and sharp. I wouldn't mind a pool workout, to be honest with you. There's not <laughs> something wrong with that. Uh, but you don't mean sitting on the lounge chair with a drink in my hand, correct? <laughs> no. Darn. All right. I thought I figured out the workout, but never mind. Um, you're in Fort Lauderdale, uh, certainly a lovely part of the of the state of Florida, uh, and you get a chance to play two non-conference teams here. But how much do you really know about Eastern Connecticut? Well, you know, with, with the new technology and with Synergy, uh-huh. we're able to, you know, learn a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And so we're really fortunate to be able to do that. And we got a chance to watch them play today, um, which was nice. Our girls were able to, to see them in person. But um, we're excited. I mean, it's just, you know, every time we get a chance to play a team from the East Coast or someone outside of the Midwest, um, it's a good test for our program. And it's a good test for our team to kind of see where we're at and, had a fantastic season last year at 20 and nine. So um, really strong program. So we're looking forward to the opportunity to play them. Uh, of course, you'll take on central after that. I think you're somewhat familiar with them. And again, Gustavus Adolphus, I know you're familiar with them and, and, and at the mm-hmm. Warburg tournament, kind of nice uh, mix of teams 
How much, and, and I, I'm very curious, uh, I actually ran into your, for, your liaison, Kelly, <laughs> at the Stag Bowl when you were on the National Committee. How much was your time on the National Committee, and even your time on the racks, how much did it change your mentality to scheduling? Oh, it definitely changed a lot. I mean, I think anytime you get an opportunity to, to learn from, you know, colleagues and, uh, you know, obviously Kelly Shaw at the NCAA and what it takes to, to really put together a solid you know, season to be able to be in the conversation for having an opportunity for a bid, if that's, you know, where we end up, it's um, a, a definitely a learning curve. And I was really excited and proud of the opportunities I had to work with Kelly and with the NCAA to be able to learn what it took. And, um, and so I think I've been able to gather that information and be able to really put together a pretty solid schedule and um, to get us in a place where, you know, if we win some games that are obviously super important wins for us, you know, outside of our regular conference season to help, you know, kind of show the, the committee that we're a capable team of, you know, having an opportunity for a bid. I think that that's something that is very valuable to me as a coach. How much do you rightly so then keep that information to yourself when scheduling to try and understand, you know, to keep it as much of an advantage as you can? Or how much of that are you willing to share with your, your brethren, whether it be yeah. in conference or out of conference, who ask the question, how do I schedule better? Right. We talk a lot with our conference coaches about it. In fact, I'm more than willing to share with, with anyone that's interested in having that conversation because I think it's really valuable information for us as coaches as to really what it takes to, to get to that, you know, to that tournament because it's, mm -hmm. it's really challenging, you know, obviously with the, the small amount of bids or at-large bids that we have. So um, especially for our, our conference schools, I mean, we want our conference to be represented as much as possible. So, um, you know, anytime I can get a chance to help our conference coaches out, I'm willing to do that. And um, I think that we have grown a lot as a conference in understanding what it takes to get in. And we continue to, to really represent well in the NCAA tournament every year. That is very true. Uh, and I remember the year you were chair, you were off the call forever because your team was at the table and finally got in <laughs> uh, at the very end. Uh, Kelly and I were uh, joking about that just the other night. Uh, I think she's used to talking to the non-committee chairs uh, more than she's talking to the committee chairs on selection night. It seems to be a pattern. Yeah, it seems to happen that way sometimes. <laughs> it does. Uh, talking about your conference, uh, you'll start things off officially, uh, getting things going against uh, Oshkosh then River Falls, then Eau Claire, Stout, et cetera, and the rest of the way. How, how, this, com this conference looks like it's going to be darn competitive this season from the outside in. Is that fair, or is it going to be maybe a little bit top-heavy? No, I think it's going to be really competitive from top to bottom. I think this is the year that um, we're really seeing everyone competing at a super high level outside of conference, which is great to see for our conference. Again, I think in the last couple of years, it's been a little top heavy, but um, it's, it's really for me in the time that I've been in the conference, it's great to see all of us, you know, being able to really win some games outside of conference that are going to help um, nationally. So it's, it's going to be a challenge and, um, you know, every year it is, but this year I think even more so. And, and I know our team is excited for that opportunity to get the chance to play um, some of our conference schools that are playing really, really well, like Eau Claire is having a great start and River Falls has beat some really strong teams. And obviously Oshkosh is highly ranked. Yeah. So it's, um, it's going to be a fun conference season for us.
Oh, I definitely am looking forward to it. I, I can't imagine how it won't be in to some degree. Um, when you look at uh, what the expectations are, the, the coaches, as it were, said, hey, it's your team, coach. You're the one who's the best of the best. Um, with Oshkosh, Stevens Point, then Eau Claire finishing out the top four. Is that something that is welcomed uh, with you guys, or is it something you want to ignore and, and maybe pretend never was there? You don't want that target necessarily. No, I mean we are we're very proud of the tradition and the the you know the level of success that we've built, and we we look at it as a you know really a compliment to all of the hard work that we put in to put our program on the map, and um, and really that's how we approach it. You know, this is a great compliment to our team and our program, um, but we're really going to work hard to to uphold that level of expectation. That, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily so much outwardly that it's that level of expectation, but more so inwardly that we really, as a, as a program and as a staff and as a team, you know, we have some goals that we really want to accomplish. So um, we're not afraid to talk about it, and um, we're not afraid to, you know, have those conversations. And it's not, you know, it's not something that we try to ignore. I think we're really willing to embrace it and, um, you know, really try to, exceed those expectations and that that ultimately is our goal for this season this is you know as, as much as an experienced team it comes across as a young team to me there's three seniors there's four juniors obviously that's seven players but there's a whole host of sophomores and freshmen on this yeah. team you're led by a senior but is that youth a fair representation of this team is it a young team in that sense or is it more experience yeah, than I'm giving it credit? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, I okay. would say a little bit. I think it's a it's a healthy balance of both. Um, we have you know a very experienced group of seniors that have played since they were freshmen. We have some transfers that have come in and you know are still kind of learning the system. So there's that little bit of of newness to the program. And then you know we have a really healthy group of sophomores that are strong com- contributors to what we're trying to do. And um, so yeah, I mean I think it's a little bit of everything, which is, you know, kind of exciting for us as coaches that um, we're not super senior dominated and, you know, so that the future of our program looks really, really bright. I mean, not that we're looking past this year, obviously, but um, there's definitely a healthy balance of both, I would agree. Well, you do have two seniors leading the way, Brooke uh, Trewin and and Malia Smith, your two seniors, 13.9 points a game, 7.7 rebounds for for Trewin. Smith, 10.1, 4.9. Uh, on top of that, of course, it's a sophomore though. That's next. Nearly ten points a game for for Camry Conley. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's kind of where I see that youth to some extent. What's the what's the best way of saying? What's the makeup of the team, or what is the 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 flavor of the team, as it were? What 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 do they dr- drive themselves? What what do what interests them? You know, what what's the spark? I guess. That's a really good question. Good, because I could barely um, get it out. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think that's um, that's fair. You know, I think this is a group that um, is really looking for that balance of being able to not be one-dimensional. Okay. And so we, uh, we've really leaned on Brooke Truen a lot in the last couple of years to do a majority of our scoring. And so I th- and with the, the loss of Andrea Minor halfway through the season last year, that even became more so. Yeah. Um, but now with her back healthy, obviously Malia Smith, as you, as you mentioned, and, and Brooke, um, all healthy. You know, I think that now it's 
us being able to really identify ourselves as, you know, not being one-dimensional. We can score inside, we can score outside, we can press, we can not press, we can we can do a lot of different things. And I think they're comfortable with that. I think they're comfortable with the fact that um, Brooks not maybe going to be our leading scorer every night. It might be someone different, and I think they're okay with that. And I think that's what makes us a little bit difficult to play against because. We don't have one or two people that you have to stop. It's it's going to be someone different every night, and um, and our team is really okay with that. They're really confident in each other, and um, and I think they're really proud of the fact that we can play that way, and um, and still challenge teams with with different defenses and different looks, and um, and so we're still really you know trying to to identify that and. We're, we're getting there. We're not. We're not a complete work. In, you know, complete work yet. We're still a work in progress, I would say, and um, which is good because you don't want to be at your best right now by right. any by any means. So um, it'll be good for us to play these next four games before we get into conference to really see where we're at. And we've got four great teams that we're gonna we're gonna play. So I think we'll we'll find that out here in the next couple weeks or so. And how much, going back to an Illinois Wesleyan game, for example, a two-point victory, certainly a game we all kind of lean on right now since we haven't seen a lot of conference action. How much, how important was that game for, for this team at, at that point in the season? And how much do you still lean on it or will lean on it as you move forward? You know, I think Illinois Wesleyan is a great um, test every single year. I love playing them. I know my, we love playing each other because we both are – highly competitive. We have similar styles. Um, they're super athletic, which is, you know, a lot like what we're going to see in our conference. And um, it's just always a really fun, highly competitive game. And, um, you know, I think we always mark that one kind of on the schedule as an important game just to kind of as a benchmark, to mm-hmm. be quite honest, because they always are so good. And um, and I think that we were proud of the fact that we were able to come out with a win, but we knew we could play a lot better than that. Um, but, you know, it's it's a great kind of early test, I guess you could say, to see where we're at. But um, that game is done and it's gone, and we got to move on and be ready for what's next. And um, I think our girls know that, and we're happy to get the win. But yeah. um, at the same time, you know, we gotta we got to prepare for what's coming up in here in the future. Sure. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time to chat with us. Fascinating that you got these two um, uh, tournaments up ahead. I guess the final question I would ask you is how do you – technically prepare for them you've got this lovely fort lauderdale i know you want to give them time a little bit uh to enjoy that and then with the holiday coming and then you got to go to warpburg but it's post-holiday and so it's Mm -hmm. almost like how do you refocus do you literally take these as two different um tournaments and, and act differently with both or will you try and be very similar in your approach for familiarity no completely different i mean we we will approach this weekend or this these next couple of games here, um, you know, with a lot of focus, and and we have to be able to put aside the fact that we're you know here in Florida and it's warm and it's sunny and we want to be on the beach and you know be able to get them to focus on what's important at the time and that comes with leadership, you know, and I think we have some pretty solid leaders that are going to make sure that we're we're focused at the right times and then. You know, then we're off for a couple of days for Christmas, and then um, we will refocus and get ready for the Warburg tournament. But, um, you know, we're kind of a here-and-now team. Like, we're here. This is the most important thing for us is going to be able to beat Eastern Connecticut, a very solid program with a strong tradition, and our girls know that. And 
Um, so I think it's, it's honestly, I know it's a silly old cliche, but it's really one game at a time. And um, we have to be able to, to win tomorrow and then we can refocus and get ready for Central. And so we're, uh, we're not trying to look ahead. Um, and I know that's hard to do, especially when Oshkosh is the first game on the conference schedule. Um, but knowing that we're going to have an opportunity to play teams, you know, on the East Coast and in Iowa and then, you know, get a chance to play Gustavus out of Minnesota, you know, all great regional games, games that are going to help us if we have a chance to, to be in the conversation for an NCAA tournament bid. Um, so we got to take care of business, you know, like I said, one game at a time. Sure. Totally understand that. Thanks for the insight, <laughs> Coach. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way, especially in these two uh, upcoming tournaments, but most especially in the WIAC tournament. I know we'll be talking about the Warhawks down the road, so I'll look forward to chatting with you then. But as always, as you know, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yeah, thanks. I mean, we just really appreciate the support from D3 Hoops and all that you guys do. It's it's great to, to talk about women's basketball and get a chance to have these conversations about these young women that are really phenomenal athletes. And so it's it's really great to have these, you know, these opportunities to talk nationally about you know, how hard they work and the things that they do, and they're really fun to watch. And so we appreciate you guys, Dave, and um, all that you do, all the, the time that you spend promoting all these different programs all across the country. And I'd also like to say that Todd um, at Trip Sports has done a fantastic job, and we're having a great time here, and I wanted to give a shout-out to him and um, all the great things that he has done as well for, for Division Three basketball. So thanks uh, for having me. How much are you paying him for that trip? Or how much did Trip pay you, Coach? <laughs> It's not free. No, that's well done. That was well done. Well done, Coach. Uh, hey, thanks very much for the kind words as well. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, enjoy it. Enjoy your holidays as well. And, yes, uh, you too. Thanks. I look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Take care. Gary Carollo joining us from Whitewater. Again, off to a 7-0 start. Fascinating set of, of tournaments here coming up that I'm that keep your eye on. Uh, it, it, they're good tests for Whitewater. Uh, and, of course, conference play. And they'll start with Oshkosh, who's picked to be number two in the conference behind them. Of course, picked by the coaches and SIDs. It's, it's a great run here. And, by the way, the one thing we didn't talk about, um, two of the last three at home in conference. That will be important as well. Going to take a break. When we come back, we'll switch into men. We'll head straight up I-83 from where I live. Unfortunately, I couldn't get up to York to see one of their top games of the season, early part of their season. But we hope to uh, get up to there sometime. But we couldn't waste any time. We're going to talk to their head coach, Matt Hunter. He'll join us here on Hoopsville to talk about his Spartan squad who could very easily be in the top 25 come tomorrow. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports. 
and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, quick update as uh, I saw it in the corner of my eye, and I'm just double-checking. Occidental leads Whitman 39-35 at the half, that game being played at Occidental. I'm not going to be one of those after-the-fact kind of guys where I say, uh, uh, I kind of knew that. Here's the deal. I'm not that surprised Occidental's up right now for two reasons. One, a few people, including Ryan, who watches a lot of games later in the evening than I get a chance to in the early part of the season, has been talking about Occidental behind the scenes to me. There's something about him I like. And the other thing, too, is I'm Whitman can't go the whole season undefeated, folks. It's not going to happen. And Occidental is a perfect kind of team to beat them. That does not mean Whitman's not going to win this game. Uh, Whitman's within four. I, I don't. If Occidental beats them, I'm I'm, I'm not going to be blown away. But I'm more. Uh, I, I'll be more surprised than if Whitman loses it. I, I think Whitman will come back to win this game. 
but Occidental's good, and and I think we're starting to see that. I need to go watch them more, to be honest with you. I, I've I've seen Ryan's notes, and I need to take them a little bit more seriously, and see what they are. But just FYI, Occidental leads Whitman right now, early in that one. Another t- game, uh, top twenty-five team that we mentioned earlier in the season that took a loss was um, Swarthmore. Took a loss to York. There's a game where I couldn't make it because of my Stag Bowl commitments, but it's a game I would have made any day of the week, right? Head about a half hour or so up the road to York, Pennsylvania. York's got some pieces in place that are going to surprise some people, including the CAC. Where right now, at the beginning of the season, I thought it would be the CNU race and nobody else. Salisbury's backed off a little bit. They're good, but they're not as great. To be honest with you, Christopher Newport, though, isn't as great as we expected them to be this year, though looks like Marcus Carter is starting to figure some things out, and maybe they're going to come roaring back. But York College has had a tremendous start to the season, and it's almost, I want to call, a blessing in disguise. It almost feels like an injury last season which would have made a uh, would have before that injury would have allowed York to have a pretty tremendous season last year. I think that injury sparked them is sparking them this year. I don't know. I could be wrong. We talked to Matt Hunter when he got hired for this job. Had a lot of big shoes to fill. Seems like his system is now in place and they're doing well. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to make that case maybe is Matt Hunter, head coach of York. Coach, thanks for taking the time, sir. Yeah, Dave, thanks for having me on. Uh, off to an 8-0 and start, and that's nothing to, to, to take lightly by any stretch of the imagination here. Um, wins over Scranton, though nothing against you guys. Scranton doesn't look as good as, they, as many thought they would this year. But a win over Gettysburg as well. Win over Mary Washington. A win over Frostburg, who upended Christopher Newport earlier. Win over Marymount, and now this win over Swarthmore. you got to be thrilled with how your squad's doing. Yeah, it's been a, uh, been a fun way to start the year, and it's just great to have our guys competing at a, at a high level from the jump. We're not that far away, Matt, from 5-20 and 20 seasons. It was a rough start, which you kind of, I think, knew when you started things that it would be. Um, back-to-back 5-20s, and 20s. then in 2015-16, things seemed to take the next step forward, 10-15. and 15. Last year, like I said, it was supposed to maybe be in a better season, but a major injury kind of hampered things. You ended up finishing 17-10. and 10. So this ain't no start. This is nothing to, to take lightly. Um, how are you guys keeping it focused, though, on the team? Yeah, we've been a big process-oriented program here for a while and just kind of been chipping away at it. And, and right now, you know, over the course of the first couple of weeks here, the results have – broken in our favor um but uh you know we just keep working day to day and trying to find ways to get better when you the injury i'm speaking of is to your center last season um this is a guy who i remember seeing against christopher newport i think it was his sophomore year um i don't remember which year it was and i remember turning to your sports information director and going oh he's pretty good now you've got him listed as a forward by the way i i consider dalton myers to be a senior um, and I'm our center, and I remember saying, you know, he's got some skill set. And I was looking forward to last year, and he unfortunately got injured, and he's back this year. How important, though, is he to this squad? Yeah, it's always nice to uh, be able to plug Adult Myers back into something. Uh, he's first and foremost a great kid, uh, and and certainly a leader in in many ways for our for our team program and athletic department. So. Anytime you get an extra year with a with a kid like that, you're, you're better off. Um, and certainly his skill set combined with Blade Reich on the interior has um, provided us with a, kind of a unique 
uh, unique roster and, and diverse front court. That's the thing. is it, The next guy I was going to get to is Blade Reich. You look at the stats, he's leading the team at 19 points a game, 6.8 rebounds. Then you've got Myers at 18 points a game and 6.5 rebounds. This is almost old school. Now, I know that Myers will step out and shoot from, from deep. He's 14 of 31 from, from beyond the arc. Even Reich will take a few from deep. But it's old school to have two bigs, essentially, on the blocks that you can feed and play off of. Yeah, it is. Uh, it definitely is. We're very fortunate to have those two guys and have both of them uh, playing at a high level and then have created a, a team dynamic where, you know, we, we move the ball and share the ball and the ball gets where it needs to go on uh, more possessions than not. But how is it also to, to tell everybody to keep everybody involved? I mean, you don't want to lean on one too much. You don't want to lean on the other necessarily. You want to keep it as even as possible. Is that easy to do? Is that difficult to do? What's it like in that sense? No, I think, you know, I was listening to, to Kerry earlier, and I think one of the great things about our team is we have uh, a bunch of guys that can, that can score points and, and are willing to shoot, but we've really gotten past that as a program and are really focused on getting a great shot on every possession. So uh, we, what we've done probably better this year than, than any year is find – the guy that kind of has the opportunity at any given time and wear that out, you know, so whether that's Dalton or Blade inside or uh, Matt catching and shooting or Jason and Jared penetrating and making plays that way, we, we've done a really good job of kind of using everybody's skill sets to, to help the team. Talking to Matt Hunter, and, and if you're watching the broadcast, I got a whole host of images uh, from your SID, Scott Geis, and I figured, why not? We'll show some of them as we talk. Uh, Reich, again, 19.3, 6.8 rebounds. Myers, 18.1, 6.5. Not to be outdone, Matt uh, is at Scamuffo, I believe. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, 13.6 points a game, and then Jared Wagner, 10 points a game, and Jason Beatty at 8.5. You've got a lot of options and a lot of guys who are doing a lot of different things, and everybody is passing the ball. Everybody is rebounding. It feels very team-oriented. Yeah, th- th- there's no doubt that that's kind of been the focus. You know, our uh, our season ended, you know, in a, in a way that uh, left us very motivated, and our guys did an unbelievable job in the off season of putting in the unseen hours, and you know they're ready to go from from the start here this year. What do you think has been the key so far to this start of this season? Has it, has it been the fact that you had Myers to put back on the roster, or were, were there other keys that kind of have has sparked this squad? Yeah, I think one is, is the benefit of some experience um, and understanding probably to a higher degree what it takes to, to be successful day in and day out, you know, on, on a practice basis, you know, what, what is required, and then – when you're in situations during games, you know, most of the guys out there have have been through it in, in some way, shape, or form. So um, th- there's a lot to, to do with just having a bunch of guys who have kind of been through, the, been through some games and been through some challenges and knowing how to respond. 
Interesting schedule for you guys this season. Again, we mentioned what you've already had. Scranton, obviously not as as big a game now in hindsight. It's always in hindsight. Um, but you've had some other significant wins. When we go back to the Swarthmore game. You, you win by four, a game that you trailed by one at halftime, but in the second half really kind of put your foot down to some degree. What was it that you guys came into that game knowing you could take advantage of, and what did you end up executing the way you wanted to? Yeah, you know, it's Swarthmore is obviously a great team, and you know we tried to create some opportunities like that for our guys this year. And um, being able to play them on our home floor right before finals was, was awesome. And uh, I thought both teams played really, really well. I think both teams are, are very good teams. Um, and it was kind of a game of mini runs. You know, they would rattle off two, three baskets in a row, then we would go back and get two or three, and kind of. We made we had the opportunity to make the last run, uh, kind of like the four minute mark or so of the the second half, and um, then able to hold on and make just enough free throws to uh, to keep them at bay. Talking to Matt Hunter here, the head coach of York. You're in your sixth season, uh, taking over as we as we all know for for a legend at York. How tough was it though for you to kind of transition yourself into getting the guys you want, and clearly now you've got the guys you want. I, I, I was talking to a lot of, of people recently about how to, how difficult it is to change the culture. I'm seeing it a lot of schools when new coaches come in, they want to change the culture. And it, it's not a negative to the other side. I'm just saying they have their own ways of doing things. But give me a little bit of an insight of how difficult is it to do in reality? Yeah, there's just um, there's a learning curve. And, uh, you know, having guys that have been coached in, in another way makes it a bigger challenge, you know. So when you get uh, young guys in that haven't been coached in college before and they don't really know what to expect, then just the way that you do things is the way that it's done. And, um, you know, it eliminates some of those kind of contradictions and some things that were different. And so over time, you know, that just kind of takes root. And, you know, our players that are here have done an awesome job of just kind of embodying everything that we stand for and really focusing on staying positive and working incredibly hard and competing every day. And really, it's a player-led program. And, you know, I'm forever grateful for, for these guys coming in and listening and working and, and doing what they need to do in order to be successful. Ahead of you, you got Dickinson on the road coming up, uh, let's see, Tuesday. And then you head to Lexington after the holiday, Lexington, Virginia, to Washington and Lee. Well, you'll take on number two in the country as of now, Middlebury, uh, before then somebody on the other side win or lose. Does that Middlebury game now lose some of the aura to it? Not negatively, but in the sense that you beat Swarthmore, a top 25 team. Middlebury's just another team to some degree, is it not? Yeah, I think, you know, we're trying, one, not to even pay attention to Middlebury at this point. Um, you know, it's all about trying to figure out how to be one of the best teams in our region here over the last 10 years on Tuesday. Um, and so all of our focus is on that. And then send the guys home and, you know, Coach Showers and I will certainly shift our attention to Middlebury. And anytime you get a chance to play great programs, whether it's Swarthmore, Dickinson, or Scranton, or Middlebury, um, you know, you want to – put your best foot forward and, you know, just go out and compete as hard as we can. And our guys compete and play with incredible passion. And, you know, at the end of the day, if we go out and do that, we're going to be happy with, uh, happy with the result regardless. Looking ahead, we get into conference play after that tournament with a game against Salisbury on the road. Um, 
this conference is fascinating this year. Again, the beginning of the year, I thought Christopher Newport was going to be the big fish. They've started off a little rougher than I think a lot of people anticipated. Salisbury is at least, you know, retooled better than I think most people expected them. But I think it, you guys feel like the wild card. What is your anticipation of conference action this season, and where do you see York sliding in at the end? Yeah, I think uh, chaos, you know, might be the might be the word. You know, it's incredibly deep um, and balanced. You know, you have teams. Uh, every team in the league has already won at least one conference game and won multiple games. You know, outside of the conference. So I, I think it's as deep as it's ever been. And you have a lot of really good coaches and a lot of really good players. Um, and so defending your home floor is going to be really, really important. And then trying to find some wins on the road. And it's, I think it's going to be a, a cluster uh, of teams together. And, yeah, hopefully we're able to, you know, step out to the forefront of that and, and take care of business. And, you know, it's uh, something that we don't focus on February. You know, we're, we're worried about right here and right. now. and. Um, you know, let the pieces fall where they may as we work our way through the season. Uh, you say you don't focus on the future, but let me ask you a future question out of curiosity. You lose Marymount and Wesley next season in the CAC, um, which technically opens up some non-conference games, but also makes the conference a little bit more interesting. What are your thoughts on, on the CAC moving forward? Yeah, it is a big change. Uh, trying to do some scheduling stuff now. It's a little, <laughs> you know, a little more difficult. You got to find four extra games. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's a unique challenge for this year. But uh, trying to get all that worked out is, is one thing. And then, yeah, the, I mean, the conference is going to be great. You know, it's a high level basketball in the CAC. You know, night in, night out, and. That's not changing uh, at all, you know. And, and one cool thing is we get to shift all of our league games back into January, you know, so we get to really learn our teams and figure out our personnel, and then we'll go to, uh, you know, 13 late game league schedule in uh, January and February. Uh, is there any worry if one more team flinches, or one more school, I shouldn't say, not team, but school flinches, that this could be a little bit more challenging than just, you know, filling games in? I have no idea about any of that, Dave. I'm just uh, I'm just a basketball coach here at your college, um, you know, and we're just trying to uh, figure out how to put our best foot forward on Tuesday night. I only ask the question because it's amazing how many coaches do have those thoughts, and then so many coaches like yourself were like, "I'll oh, forget it, man. I'm just in my office." Uh, and so I always ask it. I never know who I'm going to get on the other end of the line. Uh, there are some coaches who have spent hours trying to break things down. So I always always want to yeah. ask that out of curiosity. Um, What's been so far the highlight of the last six years for you? Just getting to know great kids. You know, I, I work at a great place. We obviously have awesome facilities and uh, been able to recruit awesome student athletes and families. And I think, you know, that's the part of the job that's the, that the best, you know, is you create relationships that are going to last for forever and have some guys here now that, uh, you know, will be proud to call friends as, as life goes on. And that's, that's definitely the highlight. That is awesome. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Uh, congratulations on a tremendous start to the season. Looking forward to seeing what this squad can do. Uh, I, I will be up in York. You and Scott can just mark it down now. I just got to find a date that works. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you then. In the meantime, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I appreciate the coverage and the support of D3 Basketball and York College. 
and uh, look forward to seeing you when you make it up here. And uh, happy holidays to everybody that's tuning in. Absolutely. Happy holidays to yourself as well. Congratulations. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Dave. Yep, no problem. Matt Hunter joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the team off to an 8 no start. I'd be shocked if they don't get a lot of up top 25 love there um, coming out tomorrow. We'll talk to Ryan a little bit more about what he thinks. Um, they got Dickinson coming up, I said, on Tuesday. That's on the road, technically. It's barely on the road for York. It's kind of down the road. Uh, then they're, in, as we said, in Lexington, Virginia after the Christmas for the Middlebury uh, tournament, or I should say the Washington Lead tournament. They will play Middlebury. Mark that game down as one you should watch, and then they'll get into conference play after that. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions, email us uh, wherever you need. You know how to do that. Um, it's quite simple. Uh, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Twitter at d3hoops or hashtag Hoopsville in other capacities as well. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got uh, one more coach to talk to, and then we'll talk to Ryan Scott, who's been doing a good job of keeping track of the Occidental Whitman game, which we've been keeping an eye on as well. It's a two-point game. they got about 15 minutes left to go in that one. It might be hard to pull Ryan away from that game, but we'll keep an eye on that one as well. Number one team in the country, down two right now to Occidental on the road. Um, like I said, going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk to MIT, 10 and one start. They've already played 11 games. They'll take a few weeks off, and then they'll get back into it. What does that mean for the long term for them? We'll talk to them coming up. You'll listen to Hoops Hoop presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoops Hoop after this. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. Division Three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. 
Division III in athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I just... Get off that commercials. It's running. For some reason, our system doesn't like to just end our breaks. It's supposed to. It won't. We'll figure it out sometime in our holiday break. The new technology just doesn't like us. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. You have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoops Email us Hoops at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoops where we're simulcasting the show, etc., etc., etc. So... What's it like to start 10-1 and in the season and then take a couple weeks off and then try and get back into things when you're expected to do well in, in your conference race as well? I, I think it happens every season at MIT. It's just the way their, 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 their schedule is situated, the way they put things together. It's just the way it is all made up, as it were. Doesn't mean we don't like to ask questions about it anyway. 10-1 and start is pretty good and certainly looking good in the conference for a lot of good reason. Uh, MIT may be the um, cream of the crop this season, especially with Babson kind of taking a step back from their national championship run last season. Springfield maybe uh, with some things they need to figure out as well. So what's it like? Well, we'll talk to their head coach. Larry Anderson joins us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Dave, thanks for having me. Oh, I appreciate you taking the time. Um, it's the least I can do. Well, I appreciate that. That's awfully kind. Um, your one blemish is Keene State, and I'll admit, Keene State is that is that team in New England that just won't go away. Um, and I mean that nicely. Every time we we think they've they, they, that they've had a nice run and they'll take a step back, they do something to prove us otherwise. So I'm not overly shocked there. Um, but you kind of bounced back, and you've had some strong wins. You've had some dominating wins. Uh, you've also had some close games. Tufts gave you a close one as well. What, but what's your thought on how this season has been so far? Well, we're pretty pleased with how it's going thus far, like you said, with the exception of one blemish. Um, there's um, a lot that needs to be uh, worked on, as you probably thought I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> but the, the, with the number of injuries, the number of injuries that we've had early on, I'm really pleased with what has happened. We have not had um, a full slate of guys in practice yet. Yeah. So um, A.J. Yurko has been out for a little while. Um, we've had a number of other guys. Uh, Dakota Pierce is out, and we're just trying to get healthy. Uh, we got a, the break. You know, we're on break right now. Right. Uh, the guys are taking final exams um, this week, and um, hopefully they'll get some time off to spend with their families and come back a little bit more healthy than we were the first semester. Yeah, I guess that's the trick here is you really have to cram a lot into the start of almost every season. I think you and I have talked about this in the past, but I'm sure there's some who haven't heard us discuss it. 11 games basically in the opening four or five weeks of the season. Then you take a lengthy break and you come back and you got to get into conference play. I know there's a lot going on there, and if memory serves, 
you got to work around, obviously, a very difficult academic slate and, and expectations at MIT with finals and whatnot. I know that travel is limited to some degree unless you've got some very friendly alums and locations that you want to travel and play, et cetera. But can you give us an idea of why this 11 games have to be played in such a tight manner for you guys as a squad? Well, 11 games really don't have to be played that tight. Okay. Um, we, we, we feel like th- there's a number of schools in New England. Um, there's basically a college campus on every corner. So um, every away game doesn't feel like an away game because of the, the, the short distance of travel there. And, you know, we, we play in a tough conference, and so uh, we would love to get – as we do every year, we try to get all those games out of the way so we can focus on uh, new Mac play. Instead of playing three games a week, it's, it's nice to be able to play two games a week and have a little bit more time to prepare. Uh, the other piece, too, is that our kids are from all over the place. Um, and so we, when we take time off, we like to give them that opportunity to go home to spend time with friends and family and, and um, you know, hopefully come back rejuvenated and get ready for conference play. Um, that's and they don't want to practice. They don't want to yeah. practice anyway. They want to play games. <laughs> well, that's so true. Um, I kind of have a son who's similar to that, uh, so I get it. Um, so yeah, I mean, you obviously need to take some time off to let them recharge their batteries to some degree. I, I get that. Do you, would you would you do anything different with your scheduling if you could? You just kind of bring it up that you don't have to jam them in. So I'm just no. curious, what would you do different? In general, if you had maybe more flexibility, even if you do have that flexibility, but I mean, if you had more of an opportunity, I just feel like you guys are somewhat of a, an under, un, un, not misunderstood squad, I guess. And I don't, misunderstood is a horrible word, coach. It's not yes, what it I want to use, but <laughs> it's not what I want to use. It's the only one in my, in my football fogged brain right now that's coming out. Um, yeah. But I feel like some people look at MIT and they don't quite understand all what's going on behind the scenes is kind of where I'm getting at. Well, you know, first thing I would say, I, I think probably some of the things you're, you're uh, getting at right now, I think every school has it, its own um, unique, um, you know, place and in, in the landscape of academics and basketball when you yeah. intertwine those together. Um, I, I wouldn't change a, a thing with our scheduling. Um, you have four weeks to prepare, you know, before your first game. Uh, and they get tired of beating up on each other, so yeah. they're ready to play. And you go to practice, and you have, what, an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes to practice, and you want to jam all you can in, in, in that time frame that you have uh, because we practice from 5 to 7, and we feel like we got enough in at least to play the non-conference slate. And uh, our, our goals just get better every single day. And so the way our schedule is set up is, is, is right for us. Okay. Uh, you know, given the academic landscape and the other things that's going on um, um, you know, around campus that the guys want to get involved with. And that's what I was curious about. So um, that makes sense. So now you've got these 11 under. You've got this break. How do you get the guys back up and running for that January <laughs> 3rd game one. against WPI? That's the million-dollar question. If I had uh, the answer to that one, I would bottle it up and sell it for a million dollars a bottle. Um, you know, we, again, we needed that time off. I, I think that that break is going to help us tremendously. And, um, you know, guys getting time off to go spend with their families and friends and rejuvenating it. And also the big thing here is allowing those injuries to heal. Yeah. 
so, you know, but trying to get them back in the gym and, you know, get them back in shape, uh, get them back in game shape and, and focus on the new Mac. Uh, the upperclassmen know what this is all about is, is trying to get the freshmen to understand, uh, what the new Mac is all about and, and how important, um, the process, you know, practicing and then, uh, preparing for, uh, each game each night. Uh, that's going to be a difficult challenge, but it's one we look forward to. Talking to Larry Anderson, head coach of MIT, the team number 22 in the country, off to that 10-1 and start, as we mentioned. Uh, coach, your, your games have run the gamut, as I said. You, you had a nearly 40-point win over Bridgewater State to start the season. You had a 30-point win over Eastern Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tufts, as we expected, was going to be tight. It was a 10-point game. Keene State tripped you up. Then you came back and rolled over Mass Boston. Uh, you beat Salem State handily. You beat LaSalle. You beat Emmanuel handily. You Rhode Island College maybe a little bit tighter, beat Fitchburg State tighter, and beat Mass Dartmouth by 20. Is it hard to keep the team focused if they're constantly handling their games pretty easily like that? Well, I, I, the, game, the games are not as easy as they look. Um, you know, some of those games have been um, played, you know, pretty closely uh, throughout, and it might have been just the last five or six minutes that we made some shots um, or made a run there, and uh, the game might have. Um, you know, slipped away a little bit, um, but yeah, it's it's difficult to even get them focused when they're close games too. Um, you know, it's it's just a learning process for us all, and we're we're trying to figure it out. Um, we're trying to take one day at a time, and and um, you know what we'll do, we'll adjust our flow um, in terms of how we're we're trying to do things. Um, but the guys are pretty smart. Um, they they know what's at stake, and they come to practice with great attitudes every day. They come and bring the passion. Uh, they they work extremely hard, and we just hope that when we hit uh, the court that we get some you know some kind of results to, to show for all the hard work they put in sure uh, and that's the the ultimate goal obviously yeah um, how much does this team how much is it aware of of the magical uh, couple of seasons your squad had including a final four appearance and and, do, and if they're aware of it do they feel pressure that they need to um, not recreate it but live up to it maybe kind of get another run themselves uh, if they do, they haven't let me know that. I, okay. I, 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 what we've tried to do, we've tried to take each game, each season, and uh, carve it out into its own. Um, you know, that's a different group of guys. It was a different era. I think they're they're well aware of the history um, yeah. or the tradition that we've had here over the last you know several years, and 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 love that. And I think it, it it's great. Uh, but they also understand that they have to carve out. Uh, their their own place in MIT basketball history, and I think that's one that they um, they uh, look forward to um, every single day in practice and every time we go out to play. There are several things that are scary when I look at your roster. The first would be the majors, um, computational economics, mechanical engineering, aerospace engineering, environmental engineering, computer science, and electrical engineering, um, civil engineering, aerospace engineering, mathematics. I mean, some things I can't live up to. Uh, the second thing that's scary is that you have no seniors on this squad. This whole squad comes back next year. You're being led by a freshman in Hamilton Forsyth at 15.5 points a game. You have two juniors, three juniors the rest of the way in double figures, Cameron Corb, uh, Bradley Jamard, and A.J. Jerko, and another freshman in Ian Hinckley right behind them at barely under double figures. This team is showing a lot now, but, man... This team has a lot ahead of it. Well, you you look way ahead. you look further ahead than I've looked. <laughs> I, I, I can barely see you know one practice at a time. So um, and, and I say that because 
you know, what you mentioned earlier, we don't have any seniors right now. So in some ways, you know, our, our juniors are, you know, our, our leaders right now. And what we're trying to do is, is get them to focus and, and just take one day at a time, make what you're doing now a masterpiece. Um, keep your head down. Don't, don't look ahead uh, because that's not promised to us. You know, injuries can come into play. And so we're just trying to take one game at a time, one day at a time, and, and, and focus on that. And, and i got to be honest with you, I'm surprised at how they've been able to do that up, up to this point. And hopefully that'll continue, um, you know, day by day and game by game. Wow, Coach, you put a lot of coach speak into that one. That I did? Yeah, you, you snuck more in there than I – well, at least you answered the question. You're not like your other New England counterpart up there uh, in, in football. Bill Belichick? Yeah, so at least you answered the question. i got to give you that one. Uh, by the way, I may have said Bradley's name wrong. I know he's from Paris, France, so uh, I apologize to Bradley if I is – it, is it Jomard or Yomard? Jomar. 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 Oh, wow. Wasn't even close. Um, let's, work, let's work on our French. We'll, you we and I will. Do that together. We will, sir. <laughs> we will. All right, so the new Mac. Uh, obviously, I know all of you are probably happy and proud that Babson won the national championship, but you're also equally as excited to maybe get a chance to knock them off if you can. This conference seems um, confusing this year from my point of view because I don't know where to look. Uh, Babson, I thought would be better. They haven't gotten off to the start I expected. You guys have been better than I expected. Uh, I don't know what to think of MI or WPI, uh, I should say. Springfield started hot. Now's in a slump. What do you expect from the new Mac this year? Well, um, I'm going to find out uh, immediately after the holidays. Yes, uh, meaning we're going to have some practice, and we're going to we're going to take out um, some. We got WPI first. We're going to focus on them and 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 see what's happening in there. I, I expect the new Mac this year uh, to be the most competitive it has ever been in years, and it's been mm. competitive over the years. Uh, yeah. You know, like you said, I'm, I'm sure a lot of other people are trying to figure out what's going on, but we know, uh, like we have had many of injuries um, early on. Some of those teams that you mentioned, I'm sure, have the same same issues there. Um, but don't be surprised um, if the new Mac is the, the best it's ever been in terms of competitiveness uh, when, it, when it rose around and started conference play. Let me ask a, uh, an odd question, especially talking to the guy, I think maybe on top of this conference at the end. Is, is the top has, because of Babson's step back, and it, has the top taken a step back, and so now it's towards the middle, and the middle is competitive, that it makes it a much more competitive conference? Does that make sense, or am I missing something? Um, I, I, you know, just being in it, you know, for 23 years, the, the, the conference has been competitive from top to bottom the whole way. Somebody yes. just got to lose. They beat up on each other. I, I do think even though Babson won the national championship last year, the conference was still competitive. If you look at the scores of, of many of the games, they, they were really tight. Um, so, um, it, it's similar to what is, been in all the years, Babson just had Joey Flannery, and they were really strong. And as you know, Steve has been around uh, for a long time. Yes. Teams are well coached, and they're really good now. I just think they're they have a few injuries right now. I do think uh, from top to bottom, you'll see that the league is probably strongest it's ever been as we start conference play here. It's going to be fast. So you're not you're not missing much, but um, except it's going to be strong. That's going to be fascinating. I look forward yeah, to it seeing is. it. And you've got a hodgepodge of coaches. You mentioned Steve. You've got yourself, Charlie Brock. Uh, at Springfield, uh, you've got uh, uh, what's his name at WPI? I'm just totally blank. Chris uh, Bartley. Chris Bartley. Thank you. I was thinking of Bartley's Burgers. I just couldn't remember uh, Chris's first name. You, you've got a, uh, an eclectic group of coaches in this league. How hard is it to coach against everybody who's been there so long? They know everything about everybody. It's been 
challenging from day one, and I, and I say that because they're they're all sharp and they're they're well prepared. Um, they got extremely talented teams, and if you're not ready on any given night, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get it handed to you, and um, that that means from top to bottom. And so, uh, a lot of respect um, for all of them. If you look at um, the New Mac back in the '80s and '90s and on up, you'll see that there's a number of teams that, that have gone deep into the NCAA tournament that had a lot of success. Uh, over the years, and I, I think uh, the league is going to, you know, show itself, you know, really well as we start conference play here. I'm looking forward to it, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, am I going to see you uh, make one of those great NCA runs again? <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm looking ahead again well, on you. Yeah, well, we we that that's one of the goals. We'd love to do that, uh, but first we got to <laughs> we got to get through the next game. I tell <laughs> a coach, I tell people one of my favorite memories was at Franklin and Marshall tournament. Uh, I ran into you the night after the – it must have been the Sweet 16 because you were playing the Elite Eight the next night. And I ran into you at the hotel, which I didn't even realize we were at the same hotel. But we ran into each other at the hotel. I said, hello. I said, i got to go quick. i got to go uh, proctor an exam. I said, coach, it's 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> yep. you, you, no, you had, wait, you, no Hollingsworth was taking an exam yes, that night. that's who it was. Yes. Wow, your memory's <laughs> solid. Um, my only question is, how do you proctor an exam – when you don't know the topic, do you, I, I realize you don't necessarily need to know the topic, but I also understand that some of the expectations are probably a little bit challenging. Uh, I've done it before. You have to been here for 23 years. You figure out you know how to do that. Now, um, okay. that that's a long time, and you become institutionalized. So uh, I'm, you know, I'm a coach, but I'm also part of the faculty in the physical education right. department. So you understand test-taking. You understand the integrity of it, and I appreciate our professors here, um, you know, trusting in us that we proctor the exam um, while we're in the road. So they, they, um, they try to have, when we proctor exams, we try to have them take the exam at the same time that the other students back on campus is taking that test. Wow. That night, we couldn't help it. <laughs> I was going to say. We the game. So um, uh, <laughs> Noel took the test that night. It went well into 2.30, 3 o'clock that, that, that morning. What's the premise of them taking it at the same time? Is it strictly just to avoid any possibility, not that it would happen and not that we would assume it would happen, but any possibility that someone might relay some information on? Is that basically well, the premise? Well, I think the thing is you, you, you want to uh, have equal opportunity. Everybody have the same advantage mm. is, is mm. what we see they there. don't get an extra six hours or a day to take to study for something, maybe. Right. Uh, okay, right. I understand. Um, by the way, I, I was quickly looking. I don't see where it is. Um, what, what do you teach? Um, anything in physical education. Okay. Anything. Okay. Wow, cool. Any course, yeah. And by the way, uh, you're a graduate, we never mentioned this, of Rust College, 1987. Yeah. They're the enigma yeah. of Division Three. No one knows about them. Uh, and when anybody plays them, we can't get information out about them. And I believe now they're leaving Division Three. Can you give me a little sense of what Rust College is as as an institution? Well, they, well first of all, they're in AIA uh, now. They now just they went are. in AIA okay. this year. Yeah, they have I thought, Division I, Three the whole time. See, I know them um, so well, I was giving them one more year. <laughs> right. Okay, well, <laughs> Rust College, um, I went to school there. It was known as a teacher's college then, okay. so they're, they're great in, in terms of academics. They're great in business. They're great in communication. Uh, they're great in uh, social work, uh, political science, uh, those kind of business program is great, too. So those five areas, uh, they're pretty sharp, and they, they have a high level of placement. Uh, and we have the kids graduate into the business world and, and those other fields that I talked about. Um, yeah. Oh, great cool. school. Great school. If I had to do it over again, I'll, I'll go I'll right back to Russ College. That's awesome. I'm dead yeah. serious when I say it's one of those enigmas. We just don't know anything about them. 
Um, and they've been in the division for forever. Um, but thanks. It gives me a little they, bit of an insight. You know insight. what? The, the Rust College is the, one of the best institutions of higher learning uh, that um, many people have never heard of. There's a good way. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of saying it, Coach. Yeah. Um, finally, Caltech is uh, coach mm-hmm. has been under your system. There's been others yeah. out there. We all know how difficult it is to get student athletes to a school like yours, whether it be yours, it be RIT, be RHIT, Caltech, whatever. Do you watch what those other schools do, especially Caltech, trying to replicate what you guys have done? And do you try and help them too? Well, I, you know, I, I know Doc. As you said, Doc worked here with me for yeah. about six years, and um, and we, much of the success that we've had here was because of of his being on our staff and some of the uh, what he brought to us. And we're still doing it right now. He has all that it takes, and I think he's one of the brightest minds in coaching today. Um, if you look at what Caltech's program was years ago and where it is now, it, it's night and day, and that's due to uh, Doc's high level of coaching. And I had a chance to um, you know, look at some of their scores the other night, and they won back-to-back games. And they have a talented team. They're well-coached, and you're going to see some great things from them moving forward. I'm looking forward to it, and I know they re- regard you and the program and the department as high, highly as well. Someday we're going to get a Caltech-MIT game in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't know how. We're going to figure it out. Uh, maybe if i got to help pay for No, I can't help pay for it. Uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, Coach, thanks for taking the time. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Um, I look forward to chatting with you somewhere down the road as well as we get towards the end of the season. 10-1 uh, start is nothing to, to, uh, to take lightly with you guys and i look forward to seeing how things in as you say uh work out in the competitive new mac this season as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in well dave i just want to thank you for having me on first of all and i want to thank you and all the people at uh, hoopsville and d3hoops.com for all the coverage and all the marketing that you guys do for us it's certainly uh a help to, to show people what we do at the d3 level uh, across the country and across the world so, um, again, thank you so much uh, for all you do, and don't stop. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it. When I'm up in Boston, I will let you know. I look forward to seeing you again. Okay, sounds Take good. Take care. Happy holidays, Coach. All right, thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, Larry Anderson, joining us here from MIT. Number 22 team in the country. Um, we'll see where they shake out next week. We'll find out a little bit of insight on the top 25. We're going to debut a, a te- uh, maybe a new segment on the show here coming up. Quick note, um, Whitman, <laughs> Whitman and Occidental have traded runs. Um, Whitman, uh, last I checked, went on, or I should say Occidental went on a 10-0 run to take a nicer lead against Whitman, but Whitman has stormed back. They went on a 13-0 run and at one point led 64-58. It's now 64-60 with 424 left to go in that game. We will continue to keep an eye on that, and uh, if it gets really close, maybe we'll tune in, kind of a, an early whip-around look in at that game in the meantime coming up we're going to talk to ryan scott gonna dabble with an idea maybe here on the show ryan's going to join me. we're going to talk a little bit of top 25 obviously on a quiet week um see what he's thinking as a voter see what i'm thinking as a voter and maybe what we might see tomorrow so ryan scott our around the nation d3hoops.com columnist will join us here momentarily you're listening to hoops hope presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios more hoops will after this Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had bats. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, 
you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had bats. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. My name is Marcus Walker. Uh, we'll jump out of, whoop, you can't see me. It's black, but I'm talking, we'll jump out of that ad. Again, one of those quirks that we're going to have to figure out when we get back from the holiday break. A quick uh, scheduling reminder. Uh, we have one more show before the holidays coming up on Thursday here on Hoopsville. We just have enough games going on this week. It's going to be worth talking to some people, I think. There's always a chance, though, with that show, it has happened in the past that we will cancel it <laughs> because it ends up there isn't anything to talk about. Uh, so just stick with us on Twitter, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Um, you can also stick with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville, so on and so forth. Um, or Instagram, at D3Hoopsville there as well. That's where we promote the show, though we don't answer a lot of questions there. I apologize to anybody out there who thinks we do. Uh, quick mention, Whitman is starting to put its foot down on this game against Occidental. It's now 71-62. I was going to mention 71-60, but Occidental just scored. 71-62, 2.51 left to go in that game. I think after a little bit of struggle there for a while um Whitman finally is going to put its foot down and it's going to be appropriate here because I do have a question uh for our esteemed colleague our around the nation art uh, columnist Ryan Scott who joins us on the city of Salem Skype 
Hoopsville Hotline, and Ryan joins us. Uh, Ryan, uh, we kind of hinted, I saw Gordon hinted to you in our chats behind the scenes, and I'll ask it to you now. Had Whitman lost that game, who would have been your number one vote to come tomorrow? God, that that would be hard. Um, you know, I, I still think Whitman's a great team. Uh, Occidental earned everything in this game. It wasn't that Whitman was playing bad. Occidental is just a, it's a, it's a solid squad. Um, I mean, it it doesn't look like it's going to happen, but I may lean to just keeping Whitman number one at this point. Um, you know, I kept Augustana number two after they lost because I thought they, they deserved it, and I, I may have done the same thing here. Yeah, I, I wonder when, when he mentioned that, I initially thought to myself, I don't know the answer to that myself. And it's really because, uh, Ryan, and I think you and I have talked about this quite a bit, behind the scenes, um, there's nobody else really in Division Three. I feel, who's a top-notch team. I feel like we've got a lot of really good teams. We don't have a lot of great teams. Yeah, well, you, you don't have people that you have a lot of faith in. You know, typically your top ten are teams that you expect to win pretty much every game, right? And they may have one or two losses here or there. And I look at my top 25, and probably after three, I don't have anybody that I would just really count on to be able to win a game on a bad night. Because that's yeah. what you're looking at, right? Your top ten, you want them to be able to win a game even when they're not playing well. And we don't have too many of those. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. Um, and I think that's been the, the challenge here with a lot of this. Um, when you... When you've gone through your top 25 early this season, I know one thing I've picked up on is that there's a lot of choices out there. And, for example, Lycoming's number nine. I'm not voting for them. Um, Swarthmore's high up. I'm not voting for them. And I'm not saying anybody's wrong. I could flat out be missing something. But there's a lot of choices, and clearly some voters have a lot of stock in some teams that others have absolutely no stock in. Yeah, uh, I mean, and that's you, you named those off that last week, and again this week I didn't vote for Whitewater, and I haven't voted for Amherst. I'm not sure I voted for them much last year either. Um, you, you know, it, it's a lot of teams are getting votes from a lot of different places. I think, um, you know, a little behind the scenes, we counted up it was only like seven teams that everybody named on a ballot. You know, it's it's yeah. it's a, a lot of options. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Whitewater. Uh, I'd have Whitewater somewhere in my, if they're not top 10, it's top 15. I moved them down last week. Interestingly enough, by the way, I did not blog last week. I had all the intentions to, but Stag Bowl just takes way too much of my time. And I probably wouldn't have said anything intelligible to begin with anyway. Um, is there a team on your ballot? I don't, you don't necessarily have to say who are where they are, but is there a team on your ballot that you think is completely undersung that more people should be voting for? And, and if so, what are we missing from your point of view? Um, well, I tend to be pretty hard on teams. I want to see some consistency before mm -hmm. I put them on a ballot, especially if it's a team um, that's uh, not maybe not had a history. But I've been voting Wesleyan pretty high uh, out of the NESCAC. I know it's a young team, and I'm a little worried about this long break for the holidays because a, a young team... Uh, can kind of get off track yeah. with a long break, but they were playing really well before the break. I watched a couple of games, and and I think they're legit. And uh, I, I've been voting them pretty high, and I think I'm a lot of their points that they're getting right now. But uh, I think that's one to look out for. Yeah, I just finally pulled out my ballot. By the way, uh, I have uh, Whitewater. <laughs> I said I wasn't sure where I had them. I now have them 18th. They were higher up than that, but 
Last week I dropped him. I also have Wesleyan in my top 25, or at least I did. Huh. Well, there's a surprise. Oh, there they are, number 13. I just can't see it with the glare here. I have him 13th. Uh, but I bought in only a couple weeks ago, or, or, or recently, I should say. I didn't buy into him a lot. Is there a team, though, you're voting, and maybe this is all of them, uh, that you've got in there, you're like, oh, man, it just this doesn't feel right, but okay, I've got them five, or I've got them eight, but I, geez, feel better if they were 20. Well, that's pretty much like four through 12. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> the one, and I'll, I'll cop to it. I'm surprised I didn't get more flack on the boards and other places. I voted North Central, a team with a losing record, number 25 last wow. week. Um, I, you know, we've seen them play. They've lost four games, but they lost, you know, three of those were to really good teams yeah. that I think are better than them. And, uh, you know, they, they've, they've struggled, but they're still good and they're mm -hmm. still playing pretty well. And, they, you know, there's so many of those teams that just have had good records against weak competition that I, I just felt more comfortable with them at 25 than some of the others. I can understand that. Uh, I had them and I thought about keeping them in there, but then I decided blow, blow 500. I just, I just couldn't do it. It basically it would, it would fly in the face of what I've argued in other polls not necessarily basketball. We don't tend to get a, a sub-500 teams on our polls all that often, especially late in the season. But there's some right. other sports that have had five, below 500 teams in their top 20s, especially at the end of a season, and I, and I put my head through a wall because, okay, I get that they lost games, but they still lost more than they won. Um, yeah. and, and so I Well, just, they won twice this week, so they're 5-4 and four now. Right. I, can, I still got them 25th. So, so you're we'll safe. feel you're, a little better about that. You're safe for now. Um, we've been watching this Whitman Occidental game. It's it's somewhat tight. 73-66, 23 ticks left. I think Whitman's going to come out with this one as a result. By the way, let's go back to Whitman for a moment. One of the things we picked up on that we didn't realize in the preseason, and I think you said something telling, if you don't mind repeating it uh, just a few minutes ago, this isn't the Whitman squad we expected, and we don't know why two of their starters from last year are not playing. I'm sure we'll find out at some point in time. We just haven't done enough snooping, as it were. But this isn't the Whitman team we thought we'd see. Well, I mean, in one sense it is because they play such a team concept, right? And, and, you know, with the next man up is cliche, but they really do it. You That's know, they true. have a system they play and whoever's in is in. Uh, talking with Coach Brunson before the season, I hadn't realized they have a very intricate point system for their practices. Yeah, so they that. literally earn their playing time yeah. by the way they perform in practice. And it's all by the numbers. So even if you're Tim Howell, who's, you know, an All-American, if, if you got a bad week of practice, you're going to get less minutes. Um, and, and so in some sense, you know, this is the team we expected. They just might not be as deep. You know, they're missing Jace Harrison and, and JoJo Wiggins, neither one of them have played this year. We've got some rumblings that they may be injuries, um, but I haven't had that officially confirmed. But that's, um, you know, that goes from being a, a really good team to a team that may be as beatable in certain situations. Uh, our advantage is I will at least get to see them in Vegas. Uh, Coach Bridgeland can't go too far without me finally tracking him down if necessary. Uh, I will I will get it from him somehow, some yeah. way. <laughs> we will find out what is going on. I said at the beginning of the show, I don't expect anybody to go undefeated. I, I expect teams to lose, especially this season. Um, and that makes the top 25 maybe harder. I think too many people expect that if a team's undefeated, they automatically should rise in the top 25 and be near the top. And as you've hinted earlier, there are some teams that just don't have good resumes, despite, yeah, it's almost like, yeah, you should be undefeated. Um, yeah. But there's a line, isn't there, Ryan? Isn't there a line to that logic to some point where, yeah, 
but you're now still winning. And at some point, no matter who you've got, you haven't taken the loss. Do you do you know where that line is for yourself that finally the, the gig is up? It doesn't matter how bad their schedule may be. If they're still winning, they've got to be in the top 25. Uh, to, to me, it's when the other teams start taking the losses, right? I mean, even if you're a yeah, CCIW team where you've got a ton of great teams in your conference, you know, if you're fourth or fifth in that conference, um, you've lost games that you could have won. You know, if you're a top 25 team, you've you got to be better than fourth, even in a great conference. And uh, at, usually it's mid-January when the other teams start taking four or five, six losses that you, know, you have to look at those those undefeated teams and, and just put them in because they're winning their games. And even... You know, any conference, it's tough to win every game. It doesn't happen very often. You kind of segued nicely there because you can talk about Marietta, for example, who's sitting behind a logger jam of teams in the OAC on top. The OAC, I've said this about a lot of conferences, that it might be one of the more fascinating races this season, is in the OAC, and Marietta's right now not in that. I've got Marietta 17th on my ballot. Don't know what I'll do with them this week. I haven't gone that far into my ballot uh, work yet to figure it out. But, uh, you know, we early on, you saw them in person. They got some wins we all thought were significant. But now looking back already early in the season, those wins don't look so significant anymore. Are, are we overselling Marietta? Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, they they had some transfers in this year. So, you know, that always takes a little bit of time to adjust to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think that they have the same kind of discipline and defense that they had last year, uh, but that's obviously something that you can you can get locked in by the spring. So uh, I tend to give them the benefit of the doubt, especially when you're taking losses in conference to good teams. If they're close, you know, I try to give you the benefit of the doubt as much as I can. Interesting enough, Whitman survives against Occidental, 73-69. So let me make this segue for you. Occidental, you've been chirping in my ear, is a team that maybe we should be paying more attention to. Why? Um, well, I, I mean, they haven't played a lot of D3 teams, which makes it hard for us to judge. But Yeah, they have, talk about a wacky schedule. Yeah, they, they've still been playing well. Um, and I watched them last year, the end of the season. They had Zach Baines, who's the big transfer from Middlebury. Yeah. He had one of those rare midseason transfers. He started the, the did first, played first semester at Middlebury last year and then second semester at Occidental. Uh, he's a 6'5 guy, a lot of uh, length, you know, tall, skinny guy, long arms. But he's, he's a real good post player. Um, and he made a big difference for them. He made a great difference in this game with Whitman. They had the lead at the half largely because – he got the ball down low, and he didn't miss any shots. Um, and uh, I, I think he, him not the only one, but they've got some size there. They've got good, solid guard play, ball handling. They keep the turnovers down. Uh, to me, that's a great team. They're in trouble, though. Uh, six of their non-conference games are against non-Division three. Three of them are against Division three opponents, and they've already lost one of them against Whitman. They're going to have to go win the conference. Otherwise, this is an absolute moot point talking about non-conference because they're just not going to have the resume. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, I think the Skyac maybe a little down this year yeah. might help them a little bit. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it, until we see those numbers start coming out, what an SOS looks like when you've just got very few teams Maybe it helps that they don't have too many if Whitman's one of them, but yeah. uh, we'll have to see. I'm, I'm, it's way too early for me to start crunching numbers like that. Yeah, no, I get, I totally get that. I certainly just mean on an initial thought. Um, all right, so your team, you think overall, um, and, and football they have risers and sliders. 
Uh, it's great because by the time they do their podcast, the top 25 is already out. Uh, unfortunately, the top 25 <laughs> not out for us. So, uh, But I want to do something along those lines. Who, who do you think might be a team? And this is a weird week, I, I also admit, uh, where we haven't had a lot of action. But what team might be the biggest team to rise in the top 25 this, this week? Or, to that point, come off, the, off the, of the uh, non-top 25 and enter? Um, I mean, if somebody's coming in, and I'm not sure that's going to happen, my, my ballot looks a lot different than the overall top 25, right. and we didn't have a loss anywhere. Rochester at 15 was the lowest ranked team that lost, right? So um, I can't see them coming out. Uh, I would expect they drop. I'm not voting for, I voted for Rochester 24 last week, but I won't be voting for them again. Um, they just, two losses now to teams that aren't real great, and they don't have real signature wins there. Um, I, they may drop. I can't see them going from 15 to out, but uh, that's one to look at. And how far Swarthmore drops is another one. I know I'm a big Swarthmore fan, and I'm voting them pretty high, but I know a lot of people are still skeptical, um, even though that York team is very, very good. Yeah. Um, any team you think is going to slide out? I, I just don't see it the way that yeah. the votes last week. Um you know, I dropped two teams off my ballot, but I, I had Carthage in there relatively low towards the bottom, and I'm not going to vote for them again. And um, so, uh, but they're not in the actual top 25. Yeah, it's going to, and this is a harder week, like I said, a little bit more idle. Hey, we actually got an email from somebody. Wow. Email from Glenn says, Dave, do you or Ryan have any insight in what is going on with Scranton's men's team? Is it a one off or something more? Uh, I'll let you start with that one. If you, yeah, I know it's it's for both of us a little bit of a, a cold question, but what do you think's going on there at Scranton? Well, I I want to be careful because I've been pretty hard on Scranton the last couple of years, and I really do. I like Coach Danzig, and I think the program is really great. So I don't want this to be negative, but um, you know they they were carried a lot by the post players they've had the last couple of years that they haven't really replaced. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like the the talent they have is the same talent they've had the last couple of years minus, you know, one all-conference post player each year. It doesn't seem like they've been replacing the talent in the same way the last couple of years. And hopefully it's just one or two-year gap that they had some recruiting issues and they'll be, be back again. But uh, that's what I would say. It feels like the same guys playing are the same guys who were contributing the last couple of years. I'll say this. I don't know what's going on. Um, I said at the beginning of the year that, that post play was my concern. Uh, yeah. that they had lost in the last couple of years some very good post play. And, and last year, I wouldn't argue, was their best, but he still was pretty solid. <laughs> of course, years before, they had one of the best posts in the country. And you're right, I didn't see them replace anything um, in that position. And so I, I feel like they're vulnerable. Now, one person on the board made, made mention of something that, you know, their defense is a little bit more exposed now, that to some extent, because they were able to score last year and able to play well, that their defense, any faults with it, could easily be overcome. And maybe this year, because they can't score as well, that their defense is a little more susceptible or a little bit more obvious maybe is the problem. I really don't know outside of that what it could be. I have not seen Scranton in person yet. I will eventually. Uh, I'm going to try and watch some games. I am surprised at their start. I voted them in the preseason top 25, maybe sugarcoating what I had already seen as a blemish and a problem. Um, and maybe the outside game is more exposed now because they can't get the ball inside and do anything. I'm really, I'm, I'm honestly confused. And on top of that, Ryan, Catholic isn't 
off to a tremendous start this season either, though their game against Maryland was far closer than I thought it would be, which now I'm kicking myself for not heading down uh, Route 1, as it were, to go to that game. Um, but Juniata is off to a tremendous start. The landmark is absolutely ripe for the taking, and we may see a, a slight changing of the guard, as it were. Yeah, and I don't know how far in the weeds we want to get. I know there's no. been some talk, especially in this mid-Atlantic area, of, of some of the teams like in the Centennial, the schools, just having some enrollment issues, and so they're throwing some more money into academic scholarships. And there may be there may be players who are choosing between a Centennial school and a Landmark school who are getting some more money from the cents now than they used to. Um, that's way in the weeds, but I, I don't, you know, you know that does come in to factor in recruiting is how much academic money these kids are getting. Yeah, it's. I'm not sure what's going on. It, it the the conference is is interesting this year to say the least. The Mid Atlantic is interesting, to, to be blunt. Um, what do you think? We had York on the show earlier. What did you think of York? So I watched uh, at least 35 minutes of that York Swarthmore game because um, I've been interested in both of those teams. Um, York really impressed me. I, I was going to wait to vote for them because uh, they've got. Dickinson and some Middlebury still coming up. Um, and and I kind of wanted to see them go through that gauntlet first, but just after that game, they're solid. They've got good post players. They've got strong guards. And the thing that caught me was they were aggressive. Um, it, it just in terms of talent on the floor, I still think Swarthmore ha- has the more, more talent, but York was driving to the hoop. They were much more aggressive on both ends of the floor uh, and really impressed me a lot. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm impressed with York, too. And the inside play with two big guys who can also shoot from outside, uh, as you point out, their guard play, I, I think York's a nice little surprise this season. I like it. I like when we get some teams we weren't quite sold on early on who come out of the woodwork, as it were, and make a run. I'm, I'm very happy to see that. Um, all right, I, I don't know if I got anything else. I, I want to try and do this every Sunday night, have Ryan on the show, and maybe have you guys ask us questions. We're two top 25 voters. It's about as many people as you're going to find out on the top 25. Uh, we don't reveal our names uh, on the ballot, but Ryan and I certainly aren't afraid to. So we hope to have this on the future and on every Sunday night if we can, or at least most Sunday nights, get Ryan in here. Ryan, any any thoughts before we, we sign off, especially before the holidays? Um, no, I've just been excited with the season so far. Uh, I think uh, this year we've got some really interesting matchups over the holidays uh, between the Vegas tournament and there's a few others going on. Um, just excited to be able to catch some games. Uh, if you really like offense, uh, Nebraska Wesleyan is traveling to Grinnell December 30th. So if you can, you can catch that, uh, on the live stream, you're going to see a whole lot of points in that game. Yes. (laughs) Points. But I do appreciate this, Dave. And I think, uh, it's, it's a good segment. I like to keep doing, I know people don't always realize you and I tend to disagree on a lot of things and we do it in a good natured way, but oh, maybe coordinate a little bit ahead of time. We can have some teams that we argue about individually as we go, go through. Yeah. So, I would thank you for having me on. I would definitely say uh, we, we, we definitely have two different perspectives. I don't know if we necessarily disagree. We just have a different view of them sometimes. And sometimes it ends up, we, we like the same team for different reasons too, which is really yeah. crazy. Um, well, and what, one example I, I was thinking about today is we talked a little bit, off the air with Wash U, uh, I know at the beginning of the year, I was high on them and you were skeptical. Yep. And I think somehow we've met in the middle here yep. uh, as they've come through the season. What they look like today, yeah. I mean, if they can repeat the performance they had today, that, that's a top five team. Yeah, you know? I, I agree with you. I, we'll just have to see whether they can do it. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I've been skeptical of Wash U for several seasons. Uh, I haven't liked what I've seen. And this year I started to buy in a little bit more and each week liked more, but I've been holding them back. I don't even remember where I had them in my top 25 last I checked. It doesn't help that I didn't blog it because usually when I blog it, I have a lot of that memorized. Uh, I don't have it. Here it is. Um, I had them last week sitting. Oh, I raised them. I had them up to eighth. Um, So, but you're right. I was looking at this Illinois Wesleyan game for two reasons. One, what was Wash U about? And two, what was Illinois Wesleyan about? Um, yeah. And and that game told me a lot. Uh, hey, we got a question from Dave. He says, how about Trinity and Merrimack? Well, Merrimack's not in Division Three, So, Dave, I hate to tell you, we're not going to talk about Merrimack. Um, <laughs> sorry. Trinity actually, Trinity, Connecticut had a good start to the season, Ryan. They, and they had a, a win that over Springfield that our own Gordon Mann was shocked by. Trinity's an interesting team in the new Mac or in the in the NESCAC. Going to make that conference an interesting race. Yeah, I mean, we, we looking at the NESCAC is everybody's sort of involved now, and, and obviously we won't know anything till they start playing each other. Um, but yet, I mean, Trinity's better than we expected them to be at this yeah. point. Um, you know, they took the loss to Nichols, which I guess probably expected. Nichols is very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, they beat Bates pretty handily to start the season. Uh, you know, they beat Springfield, and I don't know if the win was such a big deal as it was by 18 points. Um, I don't know that we're going to know a ton about them until after this holiday break. They got Keene and then right into conference play. Amherst, Hamilton, Bowden, you know, uh, who knows? I, I mean, the NESCAC could be very, very good. I've I've, I've had three NESCAC teams uh, pretty high up on my ballot for, for uh, a, a while now, so... I'm buying in it. I got Middlebury three. I got Williams five. I actually dropped Williams last week from three to five because I felt Middlebury was a better team. And with that injury injury to uh, Skadlov, I'm I'm not sure what to think of the Eves just yet. Now they got time to recover from that injury. I have Wesley in thirteenth, and that's it. Uh, I don't have any other uh, Nuscacks in there. And I'm not voting for Amherst. I wasn't impressed against Babson. Uh, I know they only have one loss. Uh, but I, I'm 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 I I think last year's finish isn't helping me right now, and I I'll, I'll I'll readily admit that. But at the same time, they never schedule anybody good at the beginning of the season, so I don't know what to make of them. Yeah, I, I mean, and that's the same thing. They've got the name, and of course, they've got one of the greatest coaches in D three, and you always know he's going to get the best out of his his players. But uh, yeah, some of those those last few games, they barely beat Springfield, who has not been great this year. They took the loss to Babson, who hasn't been great this year, and mm-hmm. they had some big blowouts early. But those are teams that just aren't going anywhere. So it, it's real hard to to judge until they start playing better quality opponents. Absolutely agree with you. Um, Dave asks if we can get Emily Gardner, the Trinity women's coach, on. Dave, we'll certainly look into it. Uh, we'll we'll take a look at, at Trinity's women's squad and see what we can do. There's a there's got a Trinity fan out there. That's I, great. Yeah, I'm loving. It. I wonder if it's he's friends with Gordon. Um, I'll admit Trinity women have a, a steep hill to climb uh, with Bowden, Amherst, uh, Tufts, Williams, <laughs> just named four. <laughs> That's a tough conference on the women's side, to say the least. It's tough on both, but the women's side is on another level. Um, and that's nothing against the men. It's just it's on another level. All right, Ryan, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for taking time. We'll polish this up a little bit. We'll have some fun with it. I know when we get into the meat of the season, it'll be a little bit more interesting than coming off of a little bit of a slow week. But thanks for taking the time. Um, 
I guess I kind of give you final thoughts, but on, on that, I'll just give you one chance to final, final words to everybody. Happy holidays and, and enjoy the basketball. There you go. That's nice and simple. Ryan, thanks for taking the time, buddy. Happy holidays. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Ryan Scott joining us on the City of Salem Skype Hoopsville Hotline. It's a big mouthful, but it, somebody had to say it. Um, so thanks for taking the time. Uh, good, good to talk to Ryan. Again, we come from different points of view. Uh, we then, believe it or not, people don't know it behind the scenes. We do disagree with each other more often than not. But it, it's actually educational. Uh, I get a lot when I hear what Ryan has to say. I will go back and go, okay, what was he saying about so? Let me go look at that. Um, and like I said, he watches a lot of West Coast games uh, to the point that I'm starting to get hooked on West Coast games. And that's about the last thing I need to be doing uh, is watching a random West Coast game on a Friday night. That said, we have to watch some of these games and know what we're watching. But I get looped into some games because of Ryan that I probably really shouldn't be watching if I want to value my sleep. Um, but Ryan will join us in the future. I kind of like that segment. Well, we'll be more polished up when we have a better top 25 conversation to have. We're going to do it there on that note too. We're going to wrap up the show. If you, uh, we appreciate you tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will hopefully be on the show on the air Thursday, unless we look at it and just don't see anything worth having a conversation about, but it will be our last show before the holiday break. Um, if you've got ideas for us, tweet us. If you don't, don't, uh, at D3 hoops or hashtag hoops. You can also email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Thanks to all our guests and their sports information directors. And, of course, our guests, Carrie Carolla from Whitewater Women, um, Matt Hunter from York Men, and Larry Anderson from MIT Men. Thank to their sports information directors for their help as well. Thanks to the WBCA, the NABC as well. We didn't show you the New Jersey last-second shot. If you want to watch it, it's on our website d3hoops.com on the story on their win go check it out see how they beat albertus magnus coming from 20 points behind in the second half pretty impressive to say the least we will try and do a little bit more video in the future as well we're still literally putting pieces of this of this studio back together after our trip to stag bowl uh don't forget d3hoops.com classic coming up in the end of december and then we are back on the air with hoopsville and its normal show rotation on january 4th Hopefully we'll be on the air here coming up on December 21st. In the meantime, have a happy holidays, and we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. Good night, everybody.